Welcome to the Alumni Voices podcast. My name is Rob Blanford and I'm here today with Hugh O'Keefe who graduated from UWA in 2016 and has since worked with Uber in facilities management which was a role that took him to London in 2018 where he has continued in this line of work but he's also led a youth engagement program of Mosaic LGBT Plus Youth Centre. The connections that he made at UWA, as well as the confidence and breadth of skills that he created, have been crucial to his decision to leave for the UK and pursue a dual vocation. Um, Hugh, so welcome to the Alumni Voices podcast. Thanks very much, Rob. So first of all, can you tell me about the degree you studied at UWA, what it taught you, and if you could summarise it in a few words? Absolutely. It's quite funny to think about. It feels like a little bit of time ago now, I guess, because so much has happened since leaving. So I did a Bachelor of Science majoring in neuroscience um, and did linguistics as sort of my second major. I really loved both of those and I, I really loved the combination. I think I got some interesting looks at people thinking that it was quite a curious thing to pair the two of them together, but it really well aligned with a lot of the interests that I had and was just a, a really fun combo. In terms of what it taught me, I was reflecting on this and I think one of the the biggest things that kind of stands out that was a recurring theme through all the units and across uh, both those majors was that every question is worth asking. Um, I remember some some pretty funny moments especially in some of the neuroscience units where someone was asking the question about why people sleep and I remember the lecturer kind of stumped with such a basic question ended up telling us that really we we didn't know and it was a really important question to ask because it was a really important area that people should be researching so that it's something that we can better understand. So something that seems like a really basic question, actually we don't really know the answer, so still need to ask that question. The other one as well was when I was studying linguistics, we were given a lot of freedom in the, in the projects that we would do and um, in some of the things that we would research and start looking into. And given my own experiences, I chose to, uh, to ask some questions about the language of gay men, which again might might seem like a really interest, like curious and kind of weird and, and like a little bit niche thing to, to choose. But basically started asking questions about um, how is it that, that specifically gay men speak, which made me ask a lot more questions about what it is that defines that group of individuals, how they relate to each other and how they relate to everyone else in broader society. Alongside your study itself, what did the people you met at UWA also teach you about life and about yourself? Thank you. Another really good question. Um, I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me when I went to UWA, especially in transitioning from high school, was that the relative diversity of all of the people who were at UWA, obviously just given the, the sheer size of the university and also the, the very different backgrounds that people come to the university from, helped me see that I think every story is really important um, and every perspective that people have when they're talking about different things, whether it's uni or social life or politics, art, culture, any of these things, people have really important uh, backgrounds and stories that influence how they view all these things. Um, and yeah, like I say, that each of those things is, is really important and that it's important that we understand where people come from when we understand what they're talking about now and, and how they see the world currently. A personality building experience then in that case. I think so, yeah. I, I think it's just that, you know, especially from high school, I didn't have the experience of meeting with a lot of people from backgrounds that were very different from my own. I guess kind of the school that I went to was quite homogenous in terms of the people that were there. Speaking with people from backgrounds 
vastly different from my own, helping me ask questions about what is my own perspective and what are the parts of my own experience that have informed that perspective as well. So not just appreciating other people's, but better understanding my own because I'm aware of what the influences are that created that worldview um, and what's important to me and what's not important to me. Okay, so your first career move here. Tell us, how did you end up working for Uber and what kind of a place was that to work in? Uh, This is a, yeah, really... (laughs) Quite a funny story, actually. So before I started working at Uber, I I spent quite a lot of time working in in cafes um, across Perth, working in hospitality, which was something that I really loved. So I didn't really have a burning desire to leave that and to go and make that sort of like first career move. There, There wasn't really a massive drive. And the drive actually came from, well, not really the drive, but the idea came from actually a really good friend of mine deciding to apply. So speaking with a friend one evening who sent me through this job saying, oh, isn't this really cool? Uber is, is, is hiring people. We were both quite techie um, and we were both quite interested in what was going on in the US and these fun, exciting, interesting startups. And, you know, we both used to stay up late and watch Apple keynotes and a bit nerdy. So the idea of Uber being in Perth and that jobs being open at Uber was, was really cool. We both applied. I got in. Unfortunately, he did not. So always felt a little bit bad about that. But I mean, we're both really happy with where we are now. In terms of what it was like to work there, it was really exciting for me and the company. It was really new for me. I was involved in stuff that I had never been exposed to before. And Uber was still quite new in Perth and constantly had new challenges that hadn't been addressed by the people that were working there or hadn't really maybe ever been addressed by any company in general. So I wasn't really involved in um, some of the interactions, conversations that Uber was having with the government about what the licenses were that the drivers had and all those sorts of things. I wasn't really involved in that, but I could see a lot of it. And it was really exciting to understand that conversations were happening about new models. I, I think the other thing as well, given the kind of like space that we were in and how Uber was a bit new and the team was quite small was that it was exciting in that a lot of the problems didn't already have solutions um, and anyone was welcome to come up with a solution to them. So I started off in a very customer service kind of role where I was supporting the drivers um, and the move into facilities management was because I was helping out manage the laptops and I basically put my hand up for it and said, yeah, I can, I can help look after the office, became a, um, an office manager for Uber. Um, and then, like I say, moved into the facilities management role, which was a little bit bigger and sort of supporting more offices and things like that. Well, that's cool. So you're actively part of disruption, actually, and you saw a lot of change happen. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that I directly was. Um, I don't know if I could sort of take that credit, but I, I definitely was um, a part of the team that was doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about your move to the UK next. Uh, so what really took you there? Was it more for Uber or was it because of your passion for helping LGBT plus young people? Uh, I read this question and I actually had a bit of a laugh um, because to be really honest with you, the answer is neither of those things. I have wanted to come and live in London um, since I was probably like 14 or 15. So uh, both of my parents are Brits. So my dad, um, his family's Irish and he was born and raised in England. And my mum, her family's all Scottish and she was born and raised in the UK as well. So I, I have quite close ties to the UK. I, it sounds like kind of a pretentious thing to say, but a lot of my family are here and, and I grew up with a lot of the culture and my parents would be talking about British TV shows and celebrities and politicians and and the the culture was like very familiar to me. I absolutely loved living in Perth, but I wanted to try something different. 
Um, I wanted to experience something new. And even though the idea of moving to London sounds like a big, scary move, for me, it kind of wasn't. Since I've moved here, both my parents now live back in in the UK, which is kind of funny. I've got aunties and uncles 40 minutes away from me, cousins across the country, all sorts of stuff. It, it wasn't really motivated by, by Uber um, or by the LGBT young persons. I was very fortunate that Uber was able to find a role for me so that I you know, was able to start earning money as soon as I hit the ground. And then obviously working with LGBT young persons, that was actually motivated by finding a community here and finding a sense of belonging, even though I had family, you know, I'm the only queer person in the family that I'm at least aware of. So it was really about finding people like me. And then I realized that it could be something that I could do for a living. Yeah, sure. Now, my next question was going to be about that transition to London, whether it was overwhelming or whether it was an easy move. But it sounds like it's been a huge success and one that you've enormously enjoyed. So is that is that right? I, I would agree with that. I, um, I definitely look at the like I definitely look at it on the whole as a huge success but it's really I have this thing with with some of my friends it's really important to me that I'm not painting an unrealistic picture that it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time because there definitely are challenges like I have this big thing especially on Instagram that I don't want to be in an insta gay who's just sitting and having wine in the park all the time because that's not really the reality of it every single day especially that word overwhelming is quite interesting when I first moved here I would have panic attacks pretty regularly on the tube the sheer volume of people definitely did feel overwhelming there's a lot of things that might happen in London that just simply don't happen in Perth for instance what's going on at the moment with with coronavirus when there's so many people around you and and people are pretty unpredictable it it's pretty un, unsettling so yeah it's, at times it does feel unnerving absolutely it's been the right decision for me and it's it's definitely been a success i think okay well that's good i'm i'm pleased that it has overall been a success for you i'm going to talk about something now which is very personal Formative years are never an easy journey for anyone. But how did your experiences inform the way that you want to help LGBT plus young people in your life? Yes, thank you. An interesting question. How to phrase it, how to put it. Every, I mean, obviously everyone's, everyone's coming out experience and everyone's story is very different. I don't know that mine is necessarily completely unique, but obviously it is It is not representative of, of everyone's experiences. My coming out experience was relatively easy and was actually quite a good one. The only real difficulties that I sort of had were not really with the people that I was surrounded with, but it was more of an internal thing. So a lot of the people that I support now, um, a lot of the young persons that we see at Mosaic, they might have unsupportive family or problems at school or problems with bullying. I thankfully didn't have any of that. So my family, my, my parents, although it was new to them, they absolutely still, you know, love and support me and were very vocal about that as well. The school that I was at as well, also fantastic. I came out and I remember people shaking my hand, congratulating me which was like weird because I didn't do anything. They just knew something different about me. But at the same time, it was really cool. There was like a kid in my year who actually was a very dear friend of mine and his initial reaction was not particularly positive. And he was the one who, you know, copped a bit of flack from everyone else, eventually came around and again, is, is still a really dear friend of mine. But like the, the response from the school was, was so fantastic and so supportive. I say that earlier on thing was more about it being internal. You know, when, you, when we grow up in largely cishet societies, we always kind of feel like a bit of an other as queer people. We, we always kind of feel like, Maybe maybe wrong is not the right word, but that there is something a little bit different about us. So from a really young age, when I did 
accept it and, and recognize it as an important part of me that I grew to love. Like I say, the first thing that I really wanted was people like me. It wasn't really important if the people around me supported me, if, if, they didn't, if I didn't feel like they had similar experiences to me or, or they couldn't really understand what I was going through, then their support obviously was, was so helpful, um, but wasn't really what I wanted and wasn't really what I needed. So that, that sense of community, like I say, is so important to me now. And, and the looking at language of gay men at uni and, and, and now I, I can actively be a part of helping create a community, which I think for me is, is the most fulfilling thing. Yeah, I think that's really, that's really great to hear as well, that you've chosen to use your experiences to, to help others find their people, find their community. So that's really good. I was also really interested in what you said about the, the person at school who reacted negatively, and it was actually other people from your school who brought that person in, into line kind of thing. So yeah, that's really fascinating. Thank you. Hugh, you've just told me that you've got a new role at the Mosaic LGBT plus youth center. Firstly, congratulations for, for the new role. Please tell us about the youth center, what kind of organization it is and uh, tell us, you know, what does your role involve? Cool. Yes. Thank you for the congratulations. Um, it's a bit weird, but we've decided that during this massive pandemic, we have decided to do a little bit of restructuring, which is kind of where the new, the new role and the new title and responsibilities and stuff has come from. So the organization is called Mosaic LGBT Youth Center. We're actually now just rebranding as well. So we'll be a Mosaic LGBT Young Persons Trust. There are a couple of reasons why that's the case, but I'll, I'll get into basics and then I can kind of explain why that sort of name change is happening. So the core premise of what we do is supporting 13 to 19 year old LGBT young persons. I say really like our focus is, is that most of them come from across London. So a lot of other organizations are focused around um, different areas of, of London, the different boroughs. Um, we're pan London and we've sometimes even had people coming to us from outside of, of London. What that support actually looks like. So there's three kind of key things that are in the mission statement of Mosaic. And I know this sounds like a bit of an elevator pitch, but it's actually the easiest way to explain it. So the, the three key themes are support, educate and inspire. What we look at mostly is supporting people who feel isolated, um, helping promote social inclusion, all of those sorts of things. And we do that in a way that is supportive, educational and, and, and inspiring. We do a lot of work. We, we have a, a team of about 10 mentors. So there's, there's two members of staff. There's about 10 to 12 volunteer mentors. They help us run the youth club sessions, which are the core of what we do. And we might have like 25 queer young persons who come in. They spend a little bit of time socializing. They make friends, they catch up. And then we always run workshops. So it's really important to us that there is like a structure and it can be workshops around sleep, which I ran, which was very helpful thanks to the stuff that I got from my degree. So helping queer teenagers sleep, which if anyone has worked with any like teenagers before, will know that that's an unwinnable battle. But anyway, it was really fun, like teaching them something new and, and helping them understand themselves better. Obviously, a lot of stuff that we do in the workshops is about sexual health and relationships, um, a lot of stuff about communities. So for LGBT History Month, we did LGBT history. Um, just as a way of, of dividing it. it. It's really important though that, that the work we do is representative of all the young persons. So making sure that it's super diverse and super intersectional is a, is a really big focus. That's kind of like the core stuff that we do, but then it's also just really fun. So I guess that's kind of the inspire bit. We have a massive cultural program. So we take people to pantomimes. Um, I've taken people to picnics in Kew Gardens, which is as camp as it sounds. 
Um, I have taken young persons to go and see drag queens at Drag Worlds down in Olympia. We took them to Brighton for a winter residential. We, we just do like a lot of really fun stuff and we do heaps and heaps of different things. So I kind of like have this joke as well that the director and I talk about, which is the young person say jump and, and we say how high. So we're really lucky that we're in a position where we are able to offer them so much support and anything they want, we basically will go ahead and do it. A lot of stuff that happens in the background as well so there's stuff that they don't see that that we're involved in so we will go and run training for frontline staff in schools um, in leisure centers to help them make their policies more inclusive of lgbt young persons we yeah do a whole bunch of different things if they have specific instances where they, they there might have been some kind of incident we might like support them boarding that through various institutions helping them access mental health support through the NHS, a whole bunch of different things. Like it's, it's super varied. It's, it's kind of like a little bit hard to pin down. But again, it's, it's kind of like that same thing with, with Uber that I was talking about, right, where it's, it's so new and there's so much going on that it's really exciting and any problem has a solution um, and anyone can put their hand up and try and solve it. And it sounds like you're really using a huge variety of skills and you're also really calling upon what you used in your degree as well and you're having fun while you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've used stuff that we've had from the degree and then sometimes we take the bins out because we're a team of two people. So it's, it's anything and everything. The language that we use is really important to the organisation. So we have this huge document of, of language guidelines of why it's important that we say that Stonewall is an uprising and not a riot and, and why we would say young persons instead of young people. And some of the work that I did at uni when I was studying linguistics has kind of like helped inform that and helped explain that to other people as well. An enormous amount of satisfaction coming from your role then. Oh, yeah. So, Hugh, in light of everything you've just said, how long do you think you want to stay in the UK? And is there anything that would bring you back to Australia at this point? Um, honestly, um, at the moment, my 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 gut feeling is indefinitely. It, it has been such a success for me. Even with those challenges, the rewards for me are just immense. And I, I truly am like really happy here and, and feel quite settled. I think the other thing is that with so much modern technology, and we've all seen this now with so much video conferencing tools and things being used, it's really easy for me to keep contact with all of my friends who are, are across the world, I, that there isn't really such an intense feeling of distance that I think might have been experienced, you know, even 5, 10, 15 years ago. So I still feel like a lot of those people can still be a massive part of my life. In terms of what might bring me back, again, I, I kind of think that like at this point, maybe nothing. I did have one thought, which is a little bit bleak, that if what's happening in London, all this panic talk about Brexit or what goes on with coronavirus goes tits up that I could always run back to Australia. But I think that's pretty unlikely. So the answer is at this point, probably nothing. I don't think that that means that I will never come back. I think I probably will. Like I say, I absolutely loved Perth and I consider myself so fortunate to have been able to grow up there. I'm not one of those people who like leaves and goes and lives somewhere else and like trash talks it. I, I absolutely really did love it. Like the opportunities that I have here are obviously very different, but that's no, you know, that's nothing to say about the people in Perth. It's just about the sheer size of it. No, I think that's a good answer. I mean, essentially you, you just sound happy and, and fulfilled. So that's, that's a good reason to want to stay where you are for the time being. So excellent. Yeah. Um, if so it's not broken, don't fix it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So next question, would you ever do any more study? And if so, what would you study? Yes, I've thought about this a lot as well. So I guess 
because I'm still quite new at Mosaic and in the role and in the field and, and all of that stuff, a lot of what I'm currently doing now is learning. Learning not just about the role, but also about what sort of career path like could be involved in this. Um, and as a result of that, what other skills and qualifications and things I might need. So I have done a little bit of thinking about what further study might support that. But the answer at the moment is I kind of don't really know because it depends on where I want to go. So, you know, in my role, a lot of what we do is one-on-one -on -one mentoring with young persons. So as well as running like group sessions, sometimes we just have a chat with them and, and find out what's going on with them, what problems they might be facing and, and how we can support them in that. So that might take me down the path more of social work, of, of that kind of field. Is it in counseling and psychology? Obviously that like more study in that direction. Is it in helping support executive decision-making in organizations? like this in which case you know would I go back and study business administration or something and then obviously the other one which I think is the, the the one that I feel like I connect with the most is potentially going back to study something like human rights law so getting the skills to be involved in decision making and developing policy that happens at UK level so influencing decision of what is taught in schools what money is handed out to what organizations to be funding what particular services those sorts of things I think that would be really important but also getting into the nitty-gritty and supporting young persons who might have been unfairly treated when it comes to the law or big institutions so I think that's kind of an interest of mine and, and that might be where where it takes me but at, at the moment don't really know there's lots of options there some really exciting pathways that you could follow so the world is essentially your oyster at this point, I guess. So my last question today, uh, are you still in touch with friends from UWA? And you know, how do you keep in touch with them? How often do you keep in touch with them? Yes, absolutely. I think I kind of answered this a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of my closest friends, like most of the friends that I'm still really in contact with, I either met through UWA or the existing friendships that I had were strengthened as a result of sitting with them for days on end on Oaklawn or in the TAV. So yeah, absolutely. A lot of those people are still a huge part of my life and the experiences that I had, like still look back on really fondly in terms of how I communicate with them now. It's every day. It, it really is every day. What I was saying before about the technology, I'm so thankful that we have the tools that we have to be able to keep in contact with people. So I can have video calls with people across the world. Honestly, the only like massive pain is time zones. Um, everything else is easy. So yeah, you know, video calls with people, sending people messages, responding to people's Instagram stories, sharing a dumb meme, like whatever it is, I, I stay in contact with them all the time, almost as if they were living down the street. So that's fantastic. Um, also, the, the other thing is uh, I've kind of taken to this new thing currently in quarantine, which is like writing people letters, um, which is also really fun. Makes me feel like I'm a little bit of a writer at the turn of the century which is some pretentious nonsense that i would normally be found doing surprisingly quite an expensive thing to do given international post but like it's really fun heaps of methods of communication basically and i'm exploring and trying new things all the time given the the uh current lockdown so you're embracing new technology but also i'm um, going a bit retro as well excellent well hugh thank you so much for your time today our listeners will be really pleased to to hear your story you've asked us to mention the mosaic lgbt youth center the url for the youth center is mosaicyouth.org.uk is, is that going to change yeah it's about to change it'll be mosaictrust.org.uk i don't know when it's going to change but either of those if one of them doesn't work it's the other one
your LinkedIn also Hugh is linkedin.com forward slash I N forward slash H U G H O K, which is Hugh. Okay.